The following is a message from Wellsprings Congregation. If any of you don't know David here, the egg shaker extraordinaire in that last song, um, he's filling in today for Chris, our regular drummer, because Chris and his wife Christy had their baby last week. Willow Grace, a new life. Yeah, yeah, clap. She worked hard for that, right? And Chris did too, I'm sure. Deserves applause. So Chris and Christy are about to experience a whole new joy. This is their first child. And one of those joys of raising little kids is seeing the silly things that little kids do. The um, Today Show last winter did one of those features where they collect a bunch of photos of something from the Internet and show them on TV. So, you know, the funniest Halloween costumes from this year or dogs with human hairstyles or something like that, right? And they collected photos of kids falling asleep in unexpected places. I I pulled a few of my favorite. Here's one I like. (laughs) That is a little boy with full snowsuit, full boots, full mittens, just inside the doorframe coming in from playing in the snow, conked out (laughs) up against the wall. I like this next one also. Those stairs are a long way up, right? She had to stop in the middle. And uh, this third one might be more relatable for us grown-ups. That's a laptop that she has slumped over, dead asleep. In my life, I experience this a little differently. I have a couch that eats people. Now, I know it looks innocent in this stock photo from Ikea, but the Ikea Ektorp couch will eat your wakefulness. I have had people fall asleep on my couch who come over for a party, who come over for dinner. My friend Ben once fell asleep on this couch in the middle of a loud party with kids running around him, including his own child. My friends Rachel and Colin, they moved away, but they used to live in my neighborhood. And they're married, and they would come over for dinner or something. And it didn't matter what time of day, 11 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It got so bad, Rachel had fallen asleep on this couch so many times that as soon as she sat on it, her husband would go, no. (laughs) And, like, physically pick her up and move her to another seat somewhere in my house. He had had to wake her cranky ass up more than once. I have fallen asleep on this couch, often late at night, often watching something like The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and I have that uncomfortable experience, right, of maybe you've had it waking up around 1.45 in the morning, all the lights are on, the TV has switched to some local news program about restaurant week in Philadelphia that no one's really watching, my teeth are dirty, right, it's just that awful combination of feelings. And you may have a place like this somewhere in your house, a place that is really comfortable, a place where you can just sink in and rest for a while. I hope you do. Some days, that place of comfort is just where we need to be, especially when things are not easy, when life gets too hectic or too hard. On days when lyrics like the ones in the song that our band just sang feel very far from the truth. Nothing is going to change my world. 
It's incredible that John Lennon wrote that song in 1969, a year of a lot of turmoil, a lot of change in our country. It seems impossible in a time like that to have that peaceful mantra of comfort. Nothing's going to change my world. And for us today also, right, depending on what headlines we read in the morning, depending on what's happening in our families, with our friends, in our communities, our homes, our hearts, sometimes it feels like everything is changing and fast. Sometimes it feels like things are changing so fast that we don't know how to keep up. Or things are changing and we are not okay with what we're seeing. And we're scared. And we just need a break. Right? In those moments, sometimes we just need a rest. One of the ways we can take a break is with music, right? Music can be a great comfort to us. And music can also be a good teacher for us in those moments. This is that measure that repeats the chorus in Across the Universe. Nothing's going to change my world. And then what is this little rectangle here? Who knows? It's a rest written into the music. It's a half rest says, take half this measure off. I asked Andrea if she would help me out for a minute here and maybe sing this chorus how it goes the regular way with the rest. I'll just do it twice. Okay. Okay, yeah. Right. That's what we're used to, right? So what if we sang it without the rests? How would that sound? Nothing's gonna change my world. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Andrea. So it sounded a little weird, right? It wasn't how we were used to it. But even more importantly, what happened to Andrea? She ran out of breath. That balance of empty space is absolutely necessary to the music. It's necessary to the beauty of what we create together. And it's also necessary to the musician. Without that rest, the singer cannot get what she needs to continue. We think of rest so often, or maybe our world, the influences around us, teach us that rest is a time when nothing's happening. It's useless, right? It's not productive. But rest is the only time that we get what we need to keep going. It's the time that we are receiving instead of giving. We know if we look around us, people after the first service came up to me and gave me four more examples. Everything in the world that is natural and healthy has this rhythm. The sun doesn't shine all day and all night. 
The flowers open and close. Our bodies need to sleep and be awake. We take in breath and we let it go. Even our hearts actually stop in between each beat. There aren't too many things I can say this about with confidence, but I can say with confidence that this rhythm of activity and rest is the way of the world, at least the world as it was created to be. It's not always the message we get, though, right? There are stories that we tell ourselves. There are pressures we're under. There are people who influence us, who press us to push past the rest that we need And that's how we often end up asleep on our feet, ignoring what we need to receive. How many times has any of us said, I'll get lunch right after I finish this project? Yeah. Or how about, I'll listen to you when I'm done? Yeah. Or uh, I'll get up to pee after I finish this email. (laughs) It's not good for your bladder, folks. Don't do it. And let's not fool ourselves, right, and pretend that this is only a problem in our work or in the working world. Some of the hardest places for us to stop and rest are the places in our lives where we are motivated by altruism and love and empathy. Our teachers our nurses, our doctors, our activists, our therapists, our ministers, all of our helpers. It can be difficult to stop and rest because when we're resting, we're not giving. We're not doing that thing we're called to do. We're receiving. And it can be hard enough to balance giving and receiving in our work But it's really hard to balance giving and receiving in those things closest to our hearts and our care. And care is something that we all do, no matter what we do for a living. Care looks like a lot of different things. There are very practical things we do. We care when we tend to our homes, when we cook, when we do laundry, when we clean. We care when we do emotional work. They call it emotional labor sometimes. We care when we listen, when we are supportive or encouraging, when we let someone else have the floor while we take a back seat for a moment, when we reflect back to someone the strengths we see in them or the struggles we see that they're going through, when we let someone know we see them, truly see them, That is all work, and that is all giving work. And it can be a very dangerous thing for us to get trapped only in that role, only as a caregiver, because then we're never letting anyone care for us. And that is like always singing and never breathing in. We can't do it forever. And it can be really hard to do if we have a beautiful voice. 
Many of us have those beautiful voices. Many of us have people in our lives who tell us what you have done for me, what you do for me matters so much. Many of us have people saying, oh, thank God for how strong you are, how competent you are, how you keep everything together. And so how can we stop and rest in a time like that, in a time like this? There's evidence out there, and also I believe it from what I've seen of people in the world, that our capacity to care is innate. It's something that everyone has within them. And so the more we learn about this world, the more our world gets smaller and we all see violence and poverty and racism and problems with health care and the environment and bullying, the more we learn about how hard a place this world can be, the more overwhelming it gets. When things are overwhelming, we have that temptation to numb out or ignore it. Or depending on how you're wired, right, and what messages you learned, maybe as a kid, we have that temptation to pile it all on our shoulders, to think that we must do it all. And it's so hard to navigate because caring is part of what makes us human. We need to care. Our message series This winter that Reverend Ken and I are preaching along with Kathleen Higgins, right, Kathleen, who's doing it, our worship leader for this message series, is going to be all about this. In this season of sometimes hyperdrive caring, right, for the next seven weeks, we've got Thanksgiving and then we've got Christmas. Sorry to break it to you. They're coming. We've got families visiting, donations to collect. And so we're going to sit with this reality of our compassionate open hearts, just to be present with what it feels like for a while, maybe to explore how to be skillful with our hearts, and also how to let our hearts be fed, how to practice receiving sometimes, because it really matters. You might have heard of this guy, Bansky, this artist. He is an anonymous artist because he mostly works in graffiti, which is illegal. He does his artwork on private property, generally. He had that uh, painting that he auctioned off that then got immediately shredded a couple months ago. You might have seen that on the news. So one of his pieces is just about this. This image of a little girl sitting with a bird. And this quote If you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. We all get tired. So if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. That's what's at stake. We can't quit because we need each other. And so we actually need each other to rest. All this talk out there about work-life balance and stress reduction, it's usually presented like it's going to be a private benefit to each of us, right? And it is a private benefit to each of us. But part of why I love this quote is because this is a universalist idea at its core, right? We only get to the promised land altogether. 
All of us need all of us because each one of us matters and is worthy and is important. So each of us needs to rest. We need each other to rest and to keep going. The rests that we take in our lives are a form of grace because they actually do always show up, whether we want them to or not. Sometimes in the little ways, right, the small rests that we don't even think about, the breath, the heartbeat, those just happen automatically. And there are rests and comforts in our lives that we choose, right? We take vacations sometimes. We have our weekends Maybe Sunday morning for you coming here to this place just to be here and receive and be in the quiet together. Maybe that's one of the ways you choose to rest. You might choose to rest from meditation through a spiritual practice. Maybe rest is your family's game night for you or the ritual of catching up on Westworld or The Good Place or Bob's Burgers. And those intentional rests are incredibly important. They help a lot, and they're great because we set the terms, right? We write the music for them. We know when they start and when they stop. But there are also rests that we don't choose. There are rests that show up the way Andrea's in-breath eventually had to show up. There are rests that show up when I fall asleep on the couch at midnight, or when we catch a bad cold and our bodies are just down for the count. There are rests that show up when some part of us gives out from overuse or just use, right, accumulated over time. And we have to take a break from work or from volunteering or caregiving. We have to recover And take time to repair or maybe just to adjust to our new normal of just doing less. And we so wish that we could be the composer of all of those rests, right? That we could decide when they started and when they stopped. But we cannot always be the composer. John Ruskin was a 19th century art critic. So like a lot of us, he was more of an appreciator of the arts and of music than a musician himself. But he wrote, there is no music in a rest, but there is the making of music in it. It's hard, he says, in the music of our lives. It's uncomfortable when our voices must be silent, our part missing in the chorus. It's hard because we don't always know if that's a rest or if we've come to the end of the tune. So he says, watch the great musicians. See what they do. How does the musician read the rest? Like this. With a count. Tapping out the time. Staying with the silence, with steadiness. Paying attention so that they can catch up the next note when they get their cue. When the music invites us back in, 
We don't want to miss it. We don't compose the music of our lives on our own, he said. But it can be a great joy to learn the tune. To see the surprises that it has for us. To see our part in it and how it all comes together. If we know that the rests will come, then maybe we can invite some and make space for them and work with them when they do. And we might find that we receive something in those times that we didn't know we needed to keep going. This young woman behind me is a role model for me in this. This is Emma Gonzalez. I think she's 18 now, maybe. She's one of the students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School who was motivated after the mass shooting there that happened about nine months ago to work to do something about what happened to her and her friends. I read an article recently by another young activist, not Emma, actually, a man named Hernan Carvente. He talked about working to bring change to the juvenile justice system, which has impacted his life, while also seeking treatment for his post-traumatic stress disorder and his bipolar 2 disorder. And he says, when you're focused on helping others, it's not easy to say, I need help too. But we have to remember that just because someone is speaking out on a panel or leading a rally, it doesn't mean they have it all together. It doesn't mean that they're okay. Maybe that actually opens up permission for us to do those things. That we don't have to have it all together. We don't always have to be okay. Emma has led a lot of rallies. But she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about a month ago about how sometimes she is not okay. She talked especially about those early days just after the shooting when she and her friends who wanted to do something about this, they holed up in one of their friends' houses for days. They were organizing a new movement. They had literally gone from being high school students one day to having CNN on the phone the next day. Celebrities were calling. It was a a very hectic time, she said. We didn't sleep much. We didn't eat much. We didn't shower much. And she said, slowly, one by one, we all broke down. For her, she remembers needing to get out and get some fresh air one day and running out of that house where they were working. And she found a nice place where it looked comfortable and she could just lie down on the grass. And it was when she was lying there looking up at the sky that she noticed that it was spotted with clouds and that there were trees all around her. She said, I was fully realizing how miserable I was, how miserable we all were. And I lied there and I wished so hard that I could just be a tree so that I wouldn't have to know people who had been murdered. So that I could have a life safe from this kind of hurt. She said, I couldn't stand being alive. 
And don't get me wrong. She said, I didn't want to kill myself. I just didn't want to have human consciousness. Trees face a lot of difficulties, she said, what with deforestation and pollution. But that didn't stop me from wanting to be one. To just stop feeling and just live. That rest scared her. It came to her with such ferocity and clarity that she realized she needed to change what she was doing. She realized that she needed to find ways to sustain herself, to find small comforts, to take joy, even though things were hard, or else she would not be able to keep going in the face of a world that really needed her. And so she talked about what, a couple of the things she decided to do. She actually made it the headline of her op-ed. It's good advice. Vote, shave your head, and cry whenever you need to. I'll put that on a t-shirt and sell it. <laughs> I love especially how she talks about why she shaved her head. She said the main reason is that having hair felt terrible. It's heavy. It made me overheated. Every time I put it up in a ponytail, it gave me a headache. And it made me insecure. I would spend all this time worrying that it looked bad or frizzy or tangled. So I got rid of it. Now that's comfort. (laughs) And she said, I also cry a lot. But you know, crying is healthy. Crying is normal and natural. Our bodies were made to do it. And often after we cry, it feels good. I really don't know why people are so against it, she said. Maybe because it's loud, snotty. Crying is a kind of communication, and communication is awesome. The lack of communication is what got us here and keeps us here. There are a lot of people who critique Emma and people like her. There are a lot of people who disagree with her, but then there's also people who critique activists or social justice warriors or anybody who's working for a change by saying that they're joyless. Right? We hear that phrase, joyless feminists, humorless feminists. We hear about the PC police, no sense of humor, not letting anybody have fun. Those questions, why do you have to keep being such a killjoy? Why do you have to keep bringing up the past? Why do you have to keep talking about that sad, awful stuff? I know that for me, I'm not voting and crying and keeping my eye on pain and struggle because I'm joyless. I'm keeping my eye on pain and struggle because I want all of us to have joy and comfort. So maybe if any of us face those kinds of questions or face that kind of criticism in the coming days, weeks, months, years, we can try to remind the people that we meet by our example 
that it is possible to hold joy and struggle at the same time in our lives. That we can enjoy ourselves and take comfort and rest well because we know that our thriving makes us all stronger. We know when we rest, our rest makes us stronger for when we need to show up for the people we love. Our rest makes us stronger to resist meanness and to practice kindness. Our rest makes us stronger when we push back against any of the harmful practices or systems of dehumanization that surround us all. Our rest makes us stronger, and we will do all of those things better when we are well. So please take care of yourselves, friends, for all of us. Amen. And may you live in blessing. I invite you all to pray with me. God, who made all of the things, mysterious power, force that created this whole world and everything in it, all the people that we know, all the people that we love. We don't know why, but we see the more we look how everything that was made in this world has a cycle how there are seasons for all of the different things we experience. And how sometimes we don't do much of anything. But that there is grace in what we receive in those moments. How it is not a failure of ours to rest. It is trust. It is trust in keeping with the way our world turns. And so may we remember that taking time to rest is not another self-improvement project we need to work at, that it can be more like a letting go, that it can be more like falling into the water and floating. May we see examples of that everywhere. And may we be that example to the people we meet. For these prayers I've spoken and for the prayers that each one of these people is carrying on their hearts today, we say amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.